Chris here. And this is Jane. And we're back with our first copyright waffle of 2020. We are, yes. It's a new decade. Yep, yep. Uh, and exciting. We, we are, yes, we're always excited. Yeah. And uh, we are very excited today to be joined by Mark Walford, who Hello. is Vice President of Rights and Business Development at Sage Publishing. That's right. Is that yeah. right? We got that yeah. one right? Welcome. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, we're looking forward to uh, chatting to you about copyright and all things copyright related. Mm -hmm. And thanks for inviting us to your lovely offices here. Oh, in we're very proud to show them off. Really. Yeah, we're in the radio shack, aren't we? We are. This yeah. is very exciting. Yeah. This is like, like being in a proper recording studio almost. Yeah. Well, it is, yeah. And we've got a lot of Macs in the, in the room today, haven't we? Yeah. We've got a very large iMac over there, which is... Yeah, lots of microphones. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, should we stop wittering yes. and ask some questions? Yes, yes. Okay, well, Mark... Thank you very much for agreeing to join us. Okay. You're looking slightly terrified, but it won't yeah. be painful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what I was um, wondering is kind of how, I mean, obviously, given your role in publishing and stuff like that, but I mean, what's your kind of copyright history, you know? Your, how did you get into it in the first yeah, place? I was wondering about that. I mm. thought, yeah, one of the number of strange questions you asked. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, huh? I kind of think it just sort of crept up on me. Okay. You know, I was okay. I was a big reader at, when I was young. Yeah. Still am. And yeah. I was quite good, mostly non-fiction. I suppose ah. this. I got quite good at being able to hold various pieces of information in my head at the same time. Right. And, right. And you know, be able to hold something which says, "Well, this always applies, except when this and this apply." Yeah. Yeah. Nerdy detail. Nerdy detail. So. Yeah. In a sense, I was probably already set up for that. Um, there's various people, I suppose, who've kind of influenced me, but I didn't necessarily meet them because I was interested in copyright or whatever. Okay. And the first, in fact, was Yuri Gabriel, who was used to be chair of ALCS. Okay, and yeah. And you... You know, for a friend of a friend. Yeah, um, and that is the association for authors licensing. Authors licensing collectives. That's it. Yes. So yes. it's like the other side of the CLA. Yes. Or they half own yeah. the CLA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also Morris Long, who was chair of the CLA. For oh, okay, right. Um, and I was talking to him about entirely other things, but we got on very well. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. He wasn't chair when I met him. Yeah. Um, but. So my job hasn't always involved copyright. Okay. I was, but you've well, worked in publishing, haven't you? I've worked you? in publishing for 32 years now. Yeah. So, and it's yeah. Always, so it's always there. And clearly copyright underpins publishing. Yeah, But yeah. lots of people in publishing are a bit scared about copyright. Yeah, So yeah. if someone, I guess, like me isn't scared, yeah. it tends to get passed to you to deal with. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, there was a kind of, I suppose... A moment when it became more serious, and I was thinking, this was before Christmas one year or around, you know, Christmas break or something. Yeah. Well, I'd quite like to do something a bit different. Yeah. I know, maybe I'd like to do a bit of, I don't know, teaching or lecturing or something. Mm. And I contacted Charles Oppenheim, and again, I don't remember why I knew Charles Oppenheim, but yeah, maybe but I did. Just, I knew him somehow. enough just to email him saying I was thinking of this. Yeah. And he kind of said, well, that's funny, because I'll be near your office next week, so do you want a coffee? Oh. And then he, he basically employed me to do the lectures on contracts and copyright 
on the publishing course at Loughborough oh, for, that, right. for that year. Yeah, yeah, um, okay. So then I had to actually find out about it. Yeah, yeah, do some serious study. <laughs> yeah, and then read a load of essays about the future of copyright and that kind of thing, uh, and mark them. So when was that? What, what, what year was that? Are you doing uh, in the gosh, 90s or later? Or? No, no, that was probably 10 or 12 years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So okay. I only did it for the one... Kind of one semester and I did four lectures. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you enjoy it? You enjoyed it? I did you? enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know whether the students enjoyed it. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they did. So, yeah. so, how did you first get into publishing then? What was it that attracted you to it? Did you just fall into it or did you have a clear idea that's what you wanted to do? No, I didn't have a clear idea. I mm. thought it might be something I'd like to do. Mm. And I did, I suppose what careers advisors will tell you, which is try and talk to people who are in the industry and find out as mm. much as you can. And basically, the people I spoke to all said, get a job in a bookshop and learn to type. Right. Well, we were talking pre-computers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I did get a job in the bookshop, and yeah. I, I did kind of learn to type with two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and, and then I managed to get my first job in publishing... <laughs> through working for the sister of someone who worked in the bookshop oh, who was a publisher. Yeah. But it wasn't... I had imagined publishing, as I think most people probably do, as fiction, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea there was such a thing as academic publishing, even though it's actually bigger mm. yes. than trade publishing. Mm, mm. And my first job was at Taylor and Francis. Mm. Okay. On, on production. And, yeah. So you've all, have you always worked in academic publishing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've done no... Well, I say I've done no trade publishing at all, but in fact, Yuri Gabriel, mm. back to him, he was and still is the chairman of Daedalus Publishing, which is a small independent fiction publisher. Right. And so I did try a bit of unpaid repping for them and, uh, and even tried to do a right sale for them, which failed miserably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, but that's as far as I've gone in right. non-academic yeah. publishing. And yeah. I can't imagine... Wanting to do trade publishing now, no. academic is so is, is and has been so exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you find people coming up to you, if you say you're in publishing, they say, "Oh, I've got an idea for a novel." Oh, I, I, no, actually, don't really no. Get those no. <laughs> but, but they do say, "Who do you work for?" and that kind of thing, rather than saying, "Oh, is that the time?" Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So I've got an idea for a peer-reviewed article. Seen <laughs> 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 as a glamorous and exciting world publishing, so yeah, maybe yeah. In a way, yes. Yeah. Although Until you, you get onto copyright. Well, not just that. But actually, <laughs> if, you, if you look at the portrayal of publishers in the media, mm. you don't come out of it so well. If you think of like, is it Daniel Cleaver and Bridget Jones? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's a film with. Uh, Jack Nicholson, where he plays a publisher who's also a werewolf. Right. You know. <laughs> right. So, are there any werewolves working at Sage Publishing at the moment? I couldn't possibly comment. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that, there's only one more thing I was going to say. I know you asked me a short question, I've given you a long answer. No, no. And one other thing that really struck me, I suppose, in that, in kind of cementing that, was. And I, I must have been on the Publishers Association Copyright Committee because otherwise I wouldn't have been in a position mm. to sit in a, a room with Maria Martin Pratt, who was the 
um, Copyright Commissioner for the European Commission. Yeah. And she just said this thing about what had kind of persuaded her, which was J.K. Rowling. And she said, you know, this woman went from being nearly homeless yeah. to being one of the richest people in the country. Yeah, yeah. And she couldn't have done that without copyright. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that brought home to you yeah. the importance of it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and it's interesting. Really mm. Interesting, you picked out those little the people and the points, and yeah. we might pick up a bit more on people that inspired you in a moment. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, what we always ask people when we do the ones yeah. is what things they're working on at the moment, what things particularly interest them around copyright, and uh, one thing we definitely wanted to pick up on if, if you hadn't thought through already was the presentation you did at the first Ice Pops conference that we had oh, yeah. uh, that was around uh, copyright and risk from a publisher's perspective mm. yes. um, did you want to fill us in on what that was about did you have something else in mind that you wanted to talk about first? That, that's very helpful that you said that because I didn't really have any very strong kind of answers on this, <laughs> this particular question but um, I mean, I think risk is a question that is kind of so important mm. in, in publishing terms. Um, it is something where an awful lot of, I mean, probably in, in volume terms, it's a small part of our job, but a key part mm. is people saying a number of times a day to me or to one of my team, you know, do we need permission for this? Or can we use this? Mm. Is this fair dealing? Is this not fair dealing? Mm. And what do I say to this person who says, oh, I don't need it, permission because I found it on the internet? Mm. All those kinds of things. Mm. And I think what I was trying to do in that presentation, which, back to Charles Oppenheim, was really yeah. about Charles Oppenheim's risk equation, yeah. is say that this, isn't, this is not an exact science. No, no. And inevitably there is going to be some copyright infringement along the line, but can you kind of just manage the risk you, rather than, in a sense, avoid it to the point where you just do nothing? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we do, you know, I was presenting that really, partly because of the sense I got from previous copyright things of how, how incredibly risk-averse mm. people are about copyright. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm just saying that actually, kind of relax about this a little, mm. but but relax about it in a kind of rational way rather than in a kind of uncaring way. Yeah, and yeah. Here's, here's a framework. Yeah, which that can help you. Which can help. Yeah, which yeah. can help and which we use. Yeah, um, yeah. I was of course quite struck when I wrote the article up for the for the Ice Pops annual. Yes. But of course, then you sent me a contributor agreement where I had to say that. <laughs> I wasn't infringing copyright when I knew that I was. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, but I thought, fair enough, I'll just <laughs> kind of take that Well, I, I, I know that you came back to us on that, and actually yeah. I thought that was, really, that was really good, that we were able to have that conversation. Mm. So you weren't just just writing something down, you were living it. it That's, was, yes, yeah. I, had, I had to live with the consequences of... of yeah. And in fact, you, you were making the point there that you were taking the risk as the author contributing it to us. I yeah. mean, almost agree. We, we very much agree with your take on risk and yes. that's yeah. one of the things that yeah. we're, we're constantly yeah. saying to people all the time yeah. around copyright is it, it's inherently risky but then so is life and there yeah. comes a point where 
you, you need to have know enough in order to become relaxed because sometimes knowing a bit actually makes people more risk averse. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I, and I think it. There is very, for example, there's very little case law in around copyright infringement in publishing, at least mm. in academic publishing. Mm. Partly because there isn't enough money in it for anyone to want to kind of go that far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean we should. I suppose it doesn't mean we should be infringing copyright because those are other people's rights and mm. we wouldn't want them to do it to us. Yeah. But it does mean that we have to be kind of sensible about it. Mm. And I think when it... So we, we have these conversations all the time with people who work within inst academic institutions within universities mm. who are writing research papers and putting out research outputs and also librarians who are acting as repository managers so yeah. that effectively the university at that stage is, is yeah. de facto becoming a publisher mm. yeah. and there's the question of oh is it okay and what happens if somebody finds a, a picture which is incorporated in an academic article and then and then we're infringing copyright and then what might happen and what might the fines be and mm. it's, uh, yeah. it, it's just trying to get people to think rationally about it, as you say, where's the case law? The fact that there is no case law <laughs> might be telling you something yes. about the level of, of but, risk. But also, at least in the UK, where you can actually work out what the fine would be yeah. to a reasonably good extent, and to, to say, well, this is effectively this kind of maximum mm. risk, mm. Yeah. and then you, you're going to divide that by, if you, in a sense, how likely it is that you get to that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Although, as we're talking about Charles Oppenheim, I have his voice in the back of my head saying they are not fines. You don't get fined for copyright. They would be damages that you would pay, <laughs> or, uh, or it's a license fee. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But I think it's really, it's really good to have. You know, you're in a sort of senior role, and you've got your team, and you're able to kind of lead them. And I think that is where some of the people we talk to, you know, they often feel like they're. You know, they're on their own a little oh, bit. They're the only person, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that really kind of feels like they care or know about this. Yeah. And they're not often particularly senior. So it kind of, you know, I think that makes people even, you know, more sort of, uh, well, of risk averse because they don't feel supported. They don't feel well, necessarily. Well, well, yeah, they don't want to be the person who gets, you know, that organisation into the newspaper no, for no. infringing copyright or no. for losing a court case or something. Of course not. And, yeah. that, and the same is true with, you know, staff here. Mm, mm. It, it is, it's usually, I mean, people who are not in senior positions who are asking about this. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean necessarily that the more senior people know. No, no. They might not know, they might just not think about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think what was really, I think, good about you coming to Icebox and talking to, to that community, which is the large number of them are people working in universities yeah. or mm. cultural heritage institutions, is that that's a common factor that regardless of whether you're a publisher or whether you're a librarian mm. or a, you know, someone mm. who supports researchers and teachers, or yeah. um, the, the, the same pressures apply and that actually there's a, a sort of higher level of talk about as copyright literacy yeah. where you know everyone benefits from having a raised understanding and having to come to terms with uncertainty and yeah that, that's just the way yeah. it is regardless of who you might be yes no I think that's true, yeah, mm. that's true. Yeah. Mm. 
So yeah, so that was that was very good, mm. um, and uh, we are working on the, the the new Ice Pops is out there. As a quick plug for anyone who's listening, <laughs> Ice Pops 2020. Our bookings opened yesterday. Bookings opened so yesterday. Well, called yeah. the contributions. I can't remember where it is. It's going it's to be in Cardiff. Ah. Yeah, it's going to be. So we we've, yeah. we've done we've done England. We first year we were in Liverpool. We've yeah. done Scotland. We've been to Edinburgh. Yeah. So Wales next. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 So are there other things that you're working on as well at the moment? Yes, I, sh- I mean, it's, maybe it's worth saying that my, my job is, is far from solely copyright. Mm. Yes, of course, yeah. Most yeah. people who work in this. Um, one of the things we're looking at is the question of universal rights rather than simply world rights. Okay. With an eye to, well, what happens when people are have colonies on Mars? Mm. Wow. Whatever, you know. Wow. I say it's very future-looking then, yeah. Well, I mean, we've, I think we've, we've probably stolen that idea from the film industry. Yeah. They're obviously thinking, well, it's a long journey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Then there's, there's plenty of kind of political stuff mm. going on. Mm. The whole question of whether the government will sign up to the digital single market or yeah. not. Yeah, we I wondered mean, if you wanted to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, yeah. Chris Kidmore signalled last week, I think it was, yeah. that there's, there are no plans to, no, which doesn't no. necessarily mean they won't. And mm-hmm. I think within that, there's, there's a lot of tension there between trying to strike a trade deal with the US, mm. which I guess is going to have lobbying from certain large companies mm. who are not at all happy with Article 17 of the DSM mm. um, and against you know, the needs either to continue having proper trading arrangements with the EU yeah. but also protecting the UK creative industries which are I understand more than £100 billion in terms of revenue so bigger than yeah. cars and planes and Certainly yeah. fishing and some other things put together. Yeah, so it was a big support, really, wasn't there, from the creative industries for the the, the, there was, the directive? There was, and there was, a, I sit on the STM Intellectual Property Committee, and yeah, yeah, so much work went into that. Yeah, yeah. and now so much work is going into the implementation in the individual countries. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I did see um, uh, there was a, an article in Wired. Last week, I think, or weeks so ago, that was a very uh, it was it was picking up on Chris Skidmore's yeah. announcement, very brief though it was, that the UK would not be implementing yeah. the digital single market directive, mm-hmm. um, and it was focusing, as most of the newspaper articles are, really on articles fifteen and seventeen that the press yeah. publishers write and the yeah. um, or whatever you want to call it the online platform publishers. Yeah, platform liability. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, but in fact, it's, it's a very large piece of legislation covering mm. a lot of things, yeah. mm. a lot of which are benefit many different sectors, yeah. including libraries and cultural heritage, who've yes. put a lot yeah. of work into getting what they've got in there. So. And, and part of the problem, I guess, is that some of those things are entirely uncontroversial or supported by, mm. you know, Academic publishers, but yeah. might be opposed by the software industry or whatever, and some are some are just generally a good thing all the mm. way through. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think that, that that does actually constitute copyright news, doesn't it? I think it we, does. We didn't have the jingle, so I think we'll have the jingle in retrospect, shall we? Okay, let's see how it goes. Play, play the play the jingle. Copyright news. 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 Copyright news.
I can give you another bit of copyright news which oh, I read about yes. this morning oh, which yeah. I thought was quite interesting yeah. um, it'll make slightly more sense after we've done another of the questions you sent me but never mind <laughs> <laughs> so there, there were two there's someone called Dr. Tala I guess T-H-A-L-E-R in Surrey okay. who applied for two patents right. for inventions I don't know what sort of inventions made by an AI program uh-huh. which um, this was the patent applications were rejected and the European Patent Office argues that an inventor has to be a natural person, person. yeah okay yeah. Oh. so um, clearly there are going to be lots more things yeah. being invented yeah. but the, the case talked about the um, there was a in 2016 there was a, a Go match I've never played Go but mm. you know, I don't even know quite what's involved between like a world champion and an AI programme mm. and there are apparently more moves in Go than there are atoms in the universe or something you know, like that so, mm. so it's not possible to programme a computer mm. with all the moves or mm. anything like that but the computer learnt and, and beat this champion okay but then the question is, yeah, with that ruling, mm. it's not a computer that beat the champion, really. It's the person who could program the computer. Yeah. Yeah. Who, probably, who may, well, I suppose he probably, or she probably has some familiarity with Go, otherwise it would be a challenge. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think there's going to be loads of really interesting yeah. um, things coming up around AI yeah. and, uh, yeah. and and copyright. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there's a talk next week, actually, at... City University oh. on that that subject, mm-hmm. so I'll send yeah. you the details oh, if you're you. interested yeah. in coming along. Yeah, yeah in our law school. Yeah. Well, I know that the Intellectual Property Office had a large event last year that was focusing on intellectual property and AI. Mm, they did, didn't they? Actually, yeah. I, I would imagine that that's leading them to want to, you know, to do some yeah. more work on that and yeah. see whether mm-hmm. the law is actually yeah. fit for purpose. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, is it time? I think it's time for you to play a jingle. Is it time for the next jingle? I think it is. I think it is. Let's give you a little clue of where we're going with this one. Okay. They help us when we're starting out and in our time of need. Grace and eloquence inspires us to succeed. They're the people who we work with, brighten up our day, and validate our pedantry, and send us on our way. They're our copyright heroes. For the listeners at home, I'd like to point out that Jane and Chris, who must have heard that several hundred times, really, really enjoy it. (laughs) Slightly hysterical. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Well, if you can compose yourself as well after that amazing um, jingle, we're going to ask you a bit about 
your copyright heroes. So you've okay. mentioned a couple of people. I, actually. I have mentioned. You yeah. have mentioned some people, sort of, yeah. you know, in your career that inspired you to get yeah. into copyright. But I mean, are there people that you you? I mean, those may be your heroes, but are there in addition there was, to those? There's one people? person I was going to single out. Yeah. Not someone I knew personally, which is actually Queen Anne. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, even though I am a committed Republican, mm-hmm. I would vote for Queen Anne. Yeah. Really, for the, co- the first Copyright Act. Yes. You know, the Statute of Anne in 1710. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know she was pushed by Daniel Defoe and other people, and I guess the government had some say in it, mm-hmm. though um, how, much of a, how much it was a government, if you've seen um, that film, which I now can't remember the title of, the Queen. About the Queen. Anne. The no, queen, not the called? Queen. No, what's no. it called? Yes, we'll edit this bit out. Um, well, I thought you went to see it. I went to see it. I went to see it. Yes, with Olivia Coleman. Yeah, playing the Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Good film. Yeah, very. Yes, very good film. did not mention copyright at all. No, it didn't. No, it didn't yeah. feature. And I mean, yeah. I, I don't really know why, because you know there yeah. was a lot of scope. That should have been what the film should have actually been about. Yeah. Anyway, before that, and I was having a look, and actually, I. I got a chance to look at the archive in the Stationers Company oh. um, at some event a few months ago, yeah. last summer. Yeah. And they had some things out, and one of the things I saw was, that, was basically a, a, an Act of Parliament from 1649 called An Act Against Unlicensed and Scandalous Books and Pamphlets and for Better Regulating Printing. Mm. And prior to Scandalous. the... Prior to the copyright ones, they had to regulate. But basically, what they meant was, if the if the monarch was Protestant, mm. yeah. Catholic publications were scandalous, and mm. vice versa. Mm. But before 1710, that's what it was about. It was about stopping publication. Yeah, yeah. And the the Act of 1710 is an act for the encouragement of learning by vesting the copies of printed books in the authors or purchasers of copies during the times therein mentioned, which as we all know was 14 years, yeah. extendable for another 14 yeah. years. Yeah, we should go back to that really. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I have said so. Yes, yeah. 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 yeah, at least for some kind of categories of copyright. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't see Paul McCartney agreeing to that Do one. you think not? No, no, no. No, no. no. or Cliff Richard or after, Cliff, yeah. no, no, no. But, um, we but can work so, on them. So, just this idea that rather than using the law to suppress publication, mm. you could l- use the law to make it possible to publish mm. and to encourage learning. Yeah, yeah. And no, I, that always strikes me that yeah. that's, that's, yeah. that's in the, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's kind of something that is really worth bringing up when people think what copyright is all about, you know, yeah. Yeah. suppressing and trying to stop things, you know, well actually it was called an act for the encouragement of learning. Yeah. And, and so you see that going through, really, to J.K. Rowling, mm, you know, mm. being able to write something and publish it, mm. or have it published, mm. because she, if nothing else, she could send it to a publisher without the publisher saying, I think I'll have this, and yeah. sell it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Another film you need to see, then, if you want to see uh, films that mention copyright, mm. out at the moment, Little Women, the oh, okay. end of the film, has a, a very uh, fascinating bit where she... Um, 
negotiates with a publisher her copyright, the, the heroine. That's um, rather interesting, because yeah. that was in 1868 or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And, of course, the US wasn't signed up to the Berne Convention then. And, you know, Charles Dickens was having great trouble with pirated editions of his books. Yes, in, in the US. In the yeah. US, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean, there's several people that picked up on it um, and yeah. pointed it out to me saying, you're going to really like that bit of the film, Jane, I felt like, but, but actually she doesn't understand copyright stock, yeah. so that he has to explain what it means, yeah. and, you know, can I basically buy the book off you, yeah. and she was like, no, I, well, now you've explained that to me, I want to keep it, it's my book, I want to keep my copyright, and I sort of felt like there should be a, a big cheer or something, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's. I I think maybe there's a there's a, a, a an idea for splicing together a, a, a mash up bit with all the bits where copyright is mentioned in popular films mm. and popular. Um, and do you yeah. think you could do that? Under, uh, under, yeah, fair dealing. under fair dealing, using quotation. You might be able to do it under fair use for transformative use, perhaps. Yeah. But under fair dealing, I, I think it depends on the context, yeah. as everything does. How much of it you use. But there, there are plenty of films out there where they're just entirely made out of other people's stuff and just bolted together. I think if you were to take it to a but but there might be a lot of permissions clearance going mm. on in the background. There, there might be. Um, but I, film I have heard tend not to be that understanding. Yes. Mm. But I also I have heard anecdotally that there are some filmmakers out there who just go and do it and just say, well, if you don't like it, come and you know come and sue me. Come and sue me. I'm not mm. making any money yeah. out of it. Yeah. But I think it depends on what context it was being done in. Yeah. 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 I wasn't planning on making a start on it. Sounds like okay. quite a lot of work. No. So, <laughs> Queen Anne, your copyright hero. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 She's pretty, pretty good copyright the hero. The film was called The Favourite. It was. Yes. 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 Not yeah. the Queen. I was going off down the... No, that was Helen Mirren. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Excellent. So, um, what we like to ask people uh, as well is their favourite nerdy fact how do you entertain people at dinner parties when the subject finds its way onto copyright? Have you got Which one? Which it usually does, of course. Yeah. Often, <laughs> often does, yeah. yeah. Um, I have actually two, and one of them I got from the Icebox conference. Oh, okay. Was the thing which I did not know, which was about the, the fact that if you take a photo of the Eiffel Tower in daylight, you are not breaching copyright, and if you do it at night, you are. Yes. And to me, that illustrates quite why we need to have a kind of proportionate response to copyright, because no one in their right minds would obey that. Mm. Most people don't know it, and if they do know it, mm. they think, but that's just absurd. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At the same time, if you were the person who designed the lights for the Eiffel Tower, you might think, well, hang on, I put a lot of work into that, I want reward for it. Yes, yeah. Um, and there's yeah. a difference between selling postcards of that and taking some holiday snaps and putting them on your Facebook page. Mm. There yeah. is. Um, but I would still... Yeah, anyway. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I'm not a postcard manufacturer, so no. I don't feel so strongly. About <laughs> <laughs> uh, my other one, and I'm get, the pronunciation on this is going to be terrible, is the oldest copyright dispute... Okay. which was in 560 AD, and this is St. Columba, who was a monk in Ireland, one of 12 monks who was studying under St. Finian, 
I don't know if they were both saints at the time. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. St. Finian had a copy of the Vulgate Bible, the Bible in Latin. Mm. So, of course, we're talking 800 years before printing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had the only copy in Ireland, and St. Columba borrowed it and copied it. And Finian was not happy about that. He mm. felt that was theft. He felt the copy should be his. Mm. Yeah. And he mm. took it to the king, Dermot McGurgle. Okay. Uh, probably that's pronunciation probably not right. Interesting, I think Columba tried a basically a fair use defence. Oh, really? Yeah, that no harm would come to Finian's copy. And yeah. he, also, he also tried a kind of Locks-type preservation argument, you know, mm-hmm. more copies around is a better thing because yeah. of what happened yeah. if your copy got burnt or something. Yeah, yeah. But the king felt that Columba was in the wrong, and his, his, you know, what he said about it was, to every cow belongs its calf. Mm. The copies of the book belong to the owner of the book, mm. which strangely I thought of when hearing about Dr. Tala and his AI patents mm. and the idea that the patents, you know, the intellectual property rested with the person who'd made the, ori- the original thing rather than mm. the intermediate step. Yes, yeah. Anyway, Columbo was so outraged by this, yeah. he raised an army of 2,300 people to fight the king. <laughs> <laughs> and he won, but 3,000 people died in the Battle of Cauldron in 560. Um, which was clearly the most bloody of copyright disputes yeah, ever. Yeah. 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 I did um, not realise that. Yeah. And Columba was... The, the church were not very happy with Columba. No, no. Um, and they banished him to do missionary work in Scotland, which I, I guess, you know, maybe they felt that was the worst possible posting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he was told he had to convert as many souls as, as had died in the battle. Yeah. Which he did. Yeah. And his copy is still in Ireland. It's the oldest book in Ireland. So it wasn't destroyed, the, the no. copy that he made? Yeah. And the one from St. Finnegan's? I don't, don't know what's happened to that. No. Yeah. I did not know. I, I, I heard the story, but I didn't yeah, actually I did, know that people had did, did no. win a battle yeah. no, in, no. Uh, following after that. No, I think yeah. I'd heard the story from... Yeah. I once was talking to somebody in Ireland... Yeah. Um, that I think they'd said, is it the Irish CLA use something to do with St Columba or there's some, okay. you know, because yeah. about this. But yeah. I, I didn't know that story either, so that's... Yeah, that's, oh, good. No. Yeah. Yeah. that's a I, super I, I, I think it's, it's a good one to have when people say, so tell me what's the worst that can happen. You're telling me <laughs> about all this stuff, but what's the worst that can happen? 3,000 people can die. Yes, <laughs> 3,000 people on your conscience. Mm. Yeah. Only if you're in um, medieval Ireland. Yes. Don't put that image in your thesis, in your no. repository. No, no, no. no. <laughs> At the same time, just don't worry about it too much. Because no. <laughs> 3,000 people probably wouldn't die. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's useful yeah. for historical context. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So we, we, we've done our order now, haven't we? Because you were going to ask the question about news items, and I jumped in with You did. I, I'm a bit jingle trigger happy. Yes, you are. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So I'm going to ask this question. Okay. Know. Yeah. Um, Let's switch it up. So, Mark, um, where do you go to keep yourself up to date about copyright? Are you, are you, you know, are you a big fan of Twitter, social media? I blogs? don't do any social media at all. You don't do any. None. So how do you, how how do you find out what's going on? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I'm on the STM Intellectual Property Committee, yeah. so we have a meeting every month for two hours. STM oh, is right. Science Technology. International Association of Scientific, Technical and Medical Publishers. Yeah. So it's like the international body for academic publishing. Yeah. yeah. So, and... Once a month? Once a month. So is that like a, a virtual meeting, or is it... Yes, yeah, so apart from once a year, it's at the Frankfurt Book Fair. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'm... I'm there's a whole kind of setup there. So there are several. STN has several lawyers who work on copyright issues. Yeah, um, yeah. And probably do other things as well. So we get very good and detailed presentations on, particularly so what's going on in DSM. Yeah. Stuff going on in Japan or yeah. South Africa or wherever. Yeah. Um, and obviously this is about publishers kind of lobbying or knowing what's going on in order to protect our interests and the interests of authors and mm, so on. Mm. Um, I'm also on the Publishers Association Public Affairs Committee, so there's some overlap there and that's a much more UK focus. Yeah, yeah. Um, I read Lexology occasionally and that's where I, in fact, where I found the... No, I didn't find the Dr. Tyler story. I found that on IPCAT. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which I wasn't yeah. aware of, actually, until a couple of weeks ago when I was sitting next to an IP lawyer at a dinner party. Oh, <laughs> coincidentally. Coinc- well, I had met him before. Yeah. But yeah. Um, he recommended that to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good. And I sent good, him a copy of my Icebox article because he was trying to work out how to use the image from the Joy Division album, Unknown Pleasures, yeah. um, which is a... An image generated, I guess, by a computer yeah. for some physics experiment, and he wanted to use that as an illustration of how, you know, of where the IP rests mm. if it wasn't made by a person. Mm. That kind of thing. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah. So that's that's where I go, and then yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, well, is there anything? I mean, other things I should be doing. Like no, no, no. I mean, I think you're, you've got different networks to the networks that that, mm. that we've got, and actually, um, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Cause I think you mentioned the IP cat has reminded me that the 1709 blog, which was a, an affiliated blog with IP cat, has actually stopped um, mm. posting as of the end of last year. So yeah. that's a huge, great history of uh, an archive of. All the latest cases. I've just heard about it. I know, yeah, yeah. But, but it then, might still be there. Yeah, no, it is still there. It's with still, with yeah. all the kind of the back um, yeah. posts and things on there, because yeah. that that was another one that I think yeah. quite a few people more. I would say more sort of IP lawyers would probably look at. Wouldn't well, they, I think right? IP lawyers would look at both resources. Seventeen oh nine blog was focusing on copyright, whereas yeah. IP cap covers all of the similar yeah. stuff. Yeah. IP. Yeah. Um, yeah. But mentioning the fact that you're you're part of the you know, the STM yeah. group as well, I uh, just wondered if you might we might be able to have a brief conversation about the the, the future of academic publishing and, and how things from your <laughs> perspective seem to be going. Now I'm aware that it's a very big topic, it is. and there are some very um, you know uh, big views there, aren't there? There are yeah. people with, with with some very different views on on how things should work. But from from your perspective. As somebody in academic publishing, yeah. how do you see things going? As we've got Plan S and we've got, you know, the movement towards open access. Well, there is there's clearly a movement towards open access. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and we're part of that. Sage mm-hmm. is part of that, and we have. A, oh, that, I was here actually just yeah. before Christmas yeah. for this um, sort of open education. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was here. Yeah. 
I mean, I think in, in a way, the fundamentals don't change. Mm. Academics still do research. Mm. They still want to publish that research. It still needs to reach the audience, otherwise there's no point in doing it. Mm. Um, open access is is not even a different way of ensuring that it reaches them. It's just a different business model around that. Mm. Um, mm. I think I'm not close to it. So I'm not close to sort of transformative deals and things like that and mm. quite a lot of the detail around Plan S and so on. My general concern is is where people are coming at it I suppose from a point of view of not not knowing enough about how publishing works. Mm. I don't mean that we have to continue working in the same way. Mm. But it struck me the other day I suppose I was thinking well so, Sage, we have 1,900 people worldwide. Yeah. So, if people think open access doesn't involve any work, mm. what do they think those 1,900 people are doing? Mm. Mm. As, as a commercial organisation, it's kind of... So, recognising that open access does not... It's just that it, you still need people to <laughs> copy edit articles. You still mm. need... Well, there's Someone, labour, isn't there, that needs a, to be done. There's I think still labour that needs to be done. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. remove any of that. Mm, mm, um, mm. Arguably, mm. it's not as efficient in lots of ways as a subscription model mm. from a publisher's point of view. Mm. Um, but at the same time, mm. yeah, it's the way we're going. And you know, um, why would we not want to go the way things are going? Mm. You know? mm. But from a copyright perspective, there are people out there that say copyright should not apply to scientific articles at all. So because you know, the words that are being written, and this is a challenge not just to the publishing yeah. industry, it's also a challenge to, to academics and, and, and yeah. academic... Uh, sure. Okay, but I, I, as, as the sort of person you interviewed for this, mm. I, would, I, would, I would draw a distinction between, between saying copyright should not apply and saying, well, who owns the copyright? Mm. Copyright mm. clearly applies, unless you're going to change the way copyright works so mm. that mm. copyright things have to be registered or whatever, in which case mm. you're, you could, you're going to change so many things with all sorts of unintended consequences. Mm. The question, I guess you're really asking, is should authors be entitled to retain the copyright yeah. if they've done that work as an employee of the university, or should the university have the freedom to do what it wants with that copyright? Mm. Mm. And that's a separate question. And mm. it, it's an easy question in an environment where there is complete freedom to publish and it's unlikely that a university would impose restrictions. Mm. Yeah, we say we have a we have a red kind of quarterly company meeting yesterday we had a talk from the Chief Executive of Index on Censorship, which we published. I can imagine that legislation which took the right to choose where to publish away from authors mm. in certain countries might have kind of unintended or even intended consequences mm -hmm. by that institution or that government. Mm. Um, I think what's interesting is, in a way, is the point that Jane made earlier about what well, could copyright just be 14 years. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I think there might be an argument for saying, well, the copyright on scientific research should only be 14 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
so it works in a different way, yeah. recognising it's not the same, it's not the same. as a, a sort yeah. of, but, you know, the, I don't know, the sort of, like, the J.K. Rowlings of the yeah. world who, you know, we all know that, yes, you know, that, that is an amazing thing, but there are many, many authors that never make of course. hardly any money, yeah, do yeah. they, either, but, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, on the other hand, you still then have the problem of, well, how do you define what falls within that 40-year mm. period as mm. opposed to a normal author's life plus 70 years? Mm. So, you know, is a textbook part of that? Yeah. Because I think you would argue, well, hang on, we've revised this textbook six times. You know. Yeah, yeah. But, and then you get that distinction between the copyright in the underlying literary and or artistic works and the typographical arrangement, which is something which and not yeah. every country has that distinction mm -hmm. between yeah. the two. Yeah. So you might say that's a model that, yeah. okay, a publisher can have the copyright in the, in the typesetting and, and the published yeah. version of record, but we might say that the copyright is treated differently, that it's not there or it's under much shorter exactly. terms for yeah. the underlying work, mm. to force it to be under much more like the Creative Commons mm. approach. I, I think I would argue that the point about copyright is it gives you a framework mm. for transferring rights mm. and not transferring them, and choosing what, which rights to transfer and which rights not to transfer, and whether mm. you do that on an exclusive basis, a non-exclusive basis, a time-limited basis. Yeah. So, in a sense, the thing which people might argue is, is the thing that's holding science back or, is actually just the structure which will enable you to disseminate science in whatever way you want. Mm. Yeah. I, I should say for the that record, I'm not personally advocating abolishing copyright for science. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no. But it's one of those things that... Uh, that was yeah. a big question. That was a big question. Mark, wasn't it? Yeah. I, think, I think I need to give him a treat now. Oh, I feel I, I ought to ask so, a too. nice question. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we always like to ask people yeah. a, a, a question, because when you think about copyright, you think yeah. about cake, obviously. Well, um, I do. Yeah. I think about cake, yes. Yeah. So are you a big fan of... Cake. I like cake, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you got uh, a particular cake that you like to eat? We brought along something oh, actually nice. for yeah. you. Not cake. It's not cake. <laughs> it's not cake, but it is home baked. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I was going to mention my grandmother's hazelnut cake. Oh. Yeah. Um, that sounds She was Viennese. Okay, it's a kind of Viennese hazelnut cake. And yeah. In true style, my grandmother who died quite a long time ago. Mm. I have the recipe that she wrote for it, which basically says, you mix these ingredients, and then it says, the next day, cut it in half and fill it. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> It's like a sort of bake-off challenge, isn't it, it is, by yeah. the sound of it? Yes, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I've tried making it a couple of times, and it's worked okay. Has it? Yeah. Does yeah. it have a lot of hazelnuts in it? It, it has no flour in it, it has hazelnuts instead of flour. Oh, really? Oh, right. all, all chopped up, really? Yeah, well, like, um, like ground, ground hazelnuts, yeah. Okay. And does it, have, is it got lots of cream in it? No, it's got oh. hazelnuts, six, I can't remember the quantities, but it's got six eggs, egg whites, okay. hazelnuts and sugar, and then you cut it and once you've baked it. Mm. So, so when you cut it off, you fill it with something, presumably? Yeah, you can put it with... Cream, I think I've got mm. apricot jam, which is quite a traditional Viennese thing. Mm. Mm. Oh, I don't think I've ever had that. Had a hazelnut cake? No, that sounds good. I think delicious. I've made one with ground almonds, but not hazelnuts. Yeah, yeah I've done it with almonds as well, but I prefer hazelnuts. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. So we'll shall we? Shall we? Yeah. I think let's. Should we show? Should we show Mark? Yeah. Brought him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, them in here. Mm. 
Here we go. The listeners will just have to. They're wrapped <laughs> just have to up. Imagine They'll just have to imagine. There's a lovely smell coming from here. We've got some. So they are homemade chocolate chip cookies. There oh. we go. Okay, so I can I can add to that. I've got something for you. Because oh. I'm not in the interest in cake, I'm also interested in biscuits. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. So I have my periodic table of biscuits. Oh, <laughs> wow. Heard about this. this. Oh. oh, this is amazing. Oh. So this is brilliant. So this is a follow-on from us making our periodic mm. table no, of periodic exceptions. Well, I don't know when you did your, your we did. very fine t-shirt. You did t-shirt. it before, didn't you? I think. I did, yeah. I've been doing that you... for about four years. Yeah, yeah, I think you did tell mm. me that you had That's this. brilliant. Mm. Oh, I'm glad you like them. Chris made those. I did, yeah. yeah. So these are... Viennese sandwich is uh, got its periodic number of 60. Mm. Viennese, well... Are we so going to be allowed to share this on our blog or not? Do you, yeah, yeah, I think you can yeah. share this on your blog. Yeah. I've got copyright symbol on you the You have, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, see the, the Jaffa cake is not considered a true biscuit, though it has many biscuit-like properties. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. That's, there's something related to that in VAT, isn't there? Yeah, Whether it's a biscuit or a cake. Yeah. yeah. Um, it either does or doesn't have VAT on it because yeah. it's a cake. Yes. I yeah. seem to remember this having come up on QI on a number of occasions with them swapping one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the latest research. I think it's probably one of those questions where the science is constantly shifting around it. Yeah. You can't definitely say yeah. that it's a biscuit or a cake. It's probably a good point for teaching information literacy. I would say. Don't just take someone's opinion for it. See if you can find out. Do some research, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got to the end of our questions for Mark, haven't we? He is now now tucking into the biscuits. You see, Mark's now tucking into the biscuits. I'm completely entranced by the periodic (laughs) table of the biscuits. (laughs) You want to put this one on a um, a t shirt, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at it. Yeah. See, the bourbon? Bourbon? Bourbon. It's bourbon because bourbon's the whiskey, isn't it? I used to love them when I was when I was young, and then my son has them in his packed lunch, and I've tried them recently, and they're just, they're just not. I don't like them anymore. Although I did make a giant bourbon biscuit actually a while mm. back, following a Gary Rhodes recipe for our Gary, but it was it was like that big. And wow! It was pretty. For the listeners, yeah. that's the size of kind of. The size of a Big Mac. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was, yeah. It wasn't that thick, I suppose. It was that outline. Oh, okay. Yes. Very nice. Uh, okay, well. Oh, well, this will be fantastic if we can share this with people. Perhaps it does probably, need, it could lend itself to some nice illustrations of the biscuits. Well, I think what it could lend itself to is a, a biscuit on every single, like a 3D model it, it of it could, with the biscuit. This, this, you'd have to, it would have to be quite big. I did try to work, have a kind of sense of how big, if you need each of the bo- blocks to be about 10 mm. centimetres across, really, wouldn't you? Yeah. 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 So. Are there 18 rows in the periodic table? I should know that, but I don't. There's a couple of biscuits on here I've never heard of either. So mm. Yeah, I, I got a few odd looks yeah. taking photos of packets of biscuits in supermarkets. <laughs> 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 Including some supermarkets. I think I did a supermarket in Frankfurt and I did one in... Um, We've got some Austrian biscuits well, we've got on here waf- as well. Street waffles, number yeah, 68. Very yeah, good. yeah, yeah, I can see some Austrian biscuits. Shows the Belgian note. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Oh well, thank you very much, then, Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has. Yeah, so yeah, thanks for joining fun. us, yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll enjoy the biscuits now. Mm. So thanks a lot. Yeah, Copyright waffle, copyright waffle
Milky white waffle. All right.